0: From the heart of our nation's capital here's family research council president tony perkins
1: good evening friends welcome to washington watch my name is joseph backholm i'm sitting in for tony today so glad that you are with us the website is tonyperkins.com where you can watch this and every episode of washington watch today on the program a lot to get to Are we about to make a bad agreement with Iran? We'll discuss that shortly. In addition, President Biden spent some time during his State of the Union address talking about the importance of helping children try to conceal their sex. Is it as harmless or even beneficial as he claims it is? We'll discuss that. In addition, the Freedom Convoy has been driving across the nation for more than a week and will reach the nation's capital tomorrow. What kind of reception will be they be getting? And what are they still hoping to accomplish? We'll get an update from the road. Also, interesting results from the Texas Board of Education elections yesterday. What does it say about local elections to come this year? Finally, in our worldview segment, I'm going to ask David Clawson why he wrote this week that the term pro-choice pastor is an oxymoron. All that coming up in the program today. First, our headlines. Fears of a nuclear catastrophe worse than the 1986 Chernobyl disaster were raised overnight when Russia attacked a nuclear power station in southeastern Ukraine, the largest nuclear power plant in Europe and among the 10 largest in the world. The attack resulted in a fire that was later extinguished, and Russia now claims to control the nuclear power plant. Joining me now to talk about this and other breaking news on Russia's invasion of Ukraine is townhall.com's Rebecca Downs, who has been reporting on this story. Rebecca, welcome to Washington
2: Watch. Hi, thanks so much for having me.
1: We're glad to have you. Thanks for taking some time for us. Now, nuclear scientists have called the attack by the Russians last night astonishing and unprecedented. Why is that?
2: Well, as we've mentioned, this could be worse than Chernobyl, if uh, it goes poorly enough. We've had the um, Ukraine foreign minister has talked about that and made such warnings. Um, They've discussed that the energy levels could um, affect not just Ukraine, um, but the rest of Europe and and potentially the rest of the world with the ramifications we have here. What this may be signaling is that Vladimir Putin Barbarity knows no bounds. He is going through all kinds of, um, he might be going through siege warfare. He might be um, targeting more than just um, military, but he's really going for nuclear power plants now um, and potentially as well to show that this is, he really means to control Ukraine.
1: Can you help us understand, was there a strategic objective to getting this nuclear power plant or is it just essentially trying to get the assets of Ukraine?
2: It's hard to say with Putin. Um, this would send perhaps the clearest message um, that he's not messing around, that he has um, strong intentions. So if, if it means anything, it, it definitely means that. But fortunately, Zelensky. Um, Vladimir Zelensky, the president there, has been speaking up about it and calling on um, the Russians to stop. Um, they're going to have more talks. He's also been calling. Um, this is a man who, who still tweets with everything that's going on, um, regular updates, that he's calling on the UN Security Council to um, call for closing the airspace.
1: Well, and we're going to get to this a little later. Um, You you can no longer see Facebook in Russia, so it's interesting to see the way social media globally is involved with this. But I want to ask you about something else here. Earlier today, NATO foreign ministers met to discuss Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Can you tell us what became of their meeting?
2: So it doesn't look like um, things are moving as quickly as... um, Zelensky would like. He is hopeful to be. Um, uh, he's hopeful that Ukraine will be admitted into NATO, but it, it doesn't look like that's going to happen um, just yet. If I if I'm not mistaken, there's a lot of um, these things take time, which is why he had been asking for weeks and months, begging NATO and the Biden administration and the United Nations to take action. And they're not taking action um, until unfortunately Putin had already invaded, but uh, there, it does look like there will be steps taken.
1: Now, last question I have for you today. The Russian parliament passed a law on Friday punishing the spread of quote, false information about Russia's armed forces with as much as 15 years in prison. Does this move surprise you at all?
2: No, it's they've been really cracking down. You see the brave Ukrainian, sorry, the brave Russian people taking to the streets um, in Moscow and around Russia and around the world, really, to speak out against this war. And and Putin will not stand for, for dissent. Um, so sadly, it's not a surprising move, but it, it makes the the anti-war uh, actions from the Russian people who are bravely speaking against about it all the more powerful because they have so much to risk now.
1: I think that's exactly right, and, and for all of the. Uh praying that we are doing for the Ukrainian people. One can't help but wonder if this is not ultimately going to come down to the Russian people to uh, to take control of this situation. Rebecca Downs, townhall.com. Thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Great to see you. Now, in response to last night's attack on the nuclear power station in Ukraine, the U.S. Embassy in Kiev tweeted Friday that Russia committed war crimes. And Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky warned of the danger that Russia's invasion poses not only to Ukraine, but to all of Europe.
3: The Russian military must be stopped immediately. Shout to your politicians. Ukraine has 15 nuclear units. If there is an explosion, it is end of everything. The end of Europe.
1: How concerned should we be? Joining us now to talk about it and more is Congressman Warren Davidson, who's a U.S. Army veteran and a member of the Republican Study Committee and the House Freedom Caucus. He represents Ohio's 8th Congressional District. Congressman, welcome back to the program.
4: Uh, Great to talk with you again. Thanks for having me today.
1: Well, thank you for taking some time. Uh, The attack by the Russians of the Ukrainian power plant getting a lot of the attention today. Do you believe as some clearly do that Russia has committed a war crime?
4: look not just with this attack but uh you know they're they're overtly attacking civilian population centers and you know they're using or at least they're alleged to be using weapons that uh, that that do violate Geneva conventions and, uh, and now- vladimir putin but uh, the some of his military leaders are are vulnerable to be in charge uh, with as as war criminals.
1: Now, you a little bit of your answer cut out there, but yeah, it sounds like that you agree and that's the direction that a lot of the international community seems to be heading with this. Can you tell us what would the significance be if the international community determined that Russia was committing war crime? Would that make it more likely that the rest of the world would get involved officially?
4: I don't know if it really fundamentally makes the world more or less likely to get involved uh, in actual combat. I think the challenge is going to be, uh, you know, let's just say you say Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. Uh, The degree of difficulty, um, you know, rendering Vladimir Putin to The Hague is quite a lot, uh, pretty substantial compared to Slobodan Milosevic, for example. So, um, you know, never before as a leader of a great power, uh, you know, been charged as a war criminal, uh, at, at least since uh, you know World War II.
1: Now, President Biden has asked for Congress to to allocate ten billion dollars in immediate aid for Ukraine and Eastern European partners. Do you think that's the right move?
4: I don't know about the right number, and I don't know about the bill. I haven't seen the text on it. I, I am more worried about the language, um, you know, because, you know, we, we had a resolution, which is not an authorization. It's a resolution to show support uh, for the people of Ukraine. Uh, and, and it could have just been that simple. Uh, but they put language in it that's problematic, that if it, that, that in, in this funding, uh, we have to be clear that this is not an authorization to go to war in Ukraine. Uh, and and uh, we don't want uh, the executive branch to look for any possible hooks to decide of their own accord to be able to commit our country to war. Uh, Congress has that power, and Congress ought not give it away uh, unless it's very overt, and uh, it is clearly the will of the people of the United States. And you know, while everyone I know is uh, praying for the people of Ukraine, and, uh, look, sees Vladimir Putin as the clear aggressor in an unjust uh, war and sees Ukraine and, uh, you know, Zelensky as uh, rightfully engaged in self-defense and wish them success in it. Uh, This is not America's war to fight, and uh, and I, I don't think Congress should be authorizing combat right now.
1: I think a lot of America agrees with you on that point as difficult as it is to watch this but we are trying to figure out how to respond. The Biden administration unveiled additional sanctions yesterday including visa restrictions on on Russian elites and their families. Can, tell us what's the strategy behind rolling out these sanctions gradually rather than doing everything that you can immediately.
4: Yeah, so look, uh, uh, I will give uh, kudos to the Biden administration for, A, they were accurate about the intelligence, and B, they made it public. So they did everything they could with the intelligence. The trouble is that they didn't react to it well themselves. Uh, so they waited until until uh, Russia had already invaded Ukraine to go for enforcement mechanisms, to even say we're cutting off uh, you know, Nord Stream 2 as a pipeline. Uh, after they've already invaded, and it's like, do you really feel like this is acceptable behavior for Russia to mass on the border and to do these menacing threats against their neighbors? Uh, and And if you don't, then why aren't we starting to take action? Republicans tried to take action uh, in, in December and were blocked by Democrats, and uh, you know there were calls to put sanctions on uh, on Russia all along since then to kick in cancellations on Nord Stream, and they were, you know, not accepted. There were lots of calls to get Germany to do something, and unfortunately, Germany waited until, uh, you know, Vladimir Putin had already invaded Ukraine uh, to, A, diminish their demand for Russian energy, and B, go public with their commitment to finally fully fund uh, their NATO treaty obligations for defense spending. So, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of other things down into the weeds that we could have uh, communicated with with Zelensky and with Putin uh, in in terms of NATO countries, NATO members, that really, truly could have prevented this war. Um, In in a way, that's great lessons for history. Right now, what do we do? I think we have to um, apply strong leverage, like the SWIFT sanctions that was too slow in coming in. Um, And we target the oligarchs because Vladimir Putin isn't laying awake worrying about the next election. To the extent he's accountable, he's accountable to the oligarchs.
1: Congressman Warren Davidson, we've got about 30 seconds, but very quickly indications that we might be coming to another agreement with Iran around nuclear arms. What's your reaction to that?
4: just dismay this administration if they could find one worse partner than russia to buy energy from it's iran so what a horrible idea uh bad bad policy by biden
1: congressman warren davidson thank you so much for your vigilance and thank you for spending some time with us today greatly appreciate it
4: you as well thank you god bless america
1: Coming up, President Biden claims he has the backs of young Americans who identify as transgender. But is he helping or hurting? We'll talk about it when we come.
0: Today, moral relativism and political correctness are assaulting truth. How can the world have hope when believers themselves aren't clear on the authority of the Bible?
3: The Church of Jesus Christ always faces a tremendous temptation to deviate from the word of god
0: the god who speaks clearly expresses god's intent in giving us his word and the response that is demanded of those who hear nobody ever encounters god and says that was boring and irrelevant when people say that about the bible it just says to me they've not encountered the god of the bible
5: our faith is
4: rooted in history and and consequently we need to use the evidence and never be afraid of it
0: the god who speaks is a feature-linked documentary from the American Family Association, which could bolster your confidence in the Word of God.
3: Churches really need to see this, really need to understand what the Bible actually is. Available now at
0: thegodwhospeaks.org. Here's a moment of hope for your home with Jerry and Becky Drace. Has your child ever asked, does God have a treasure chest? You can answer, yes. Listen to Luke 12, verse 34. Where your treasure
6: is, there is your heart. God's treasure chest is your heart. If you're teaching your children that material possessions are the treasures of life, then you're mistaken.
4: Children often believe that the more things they have, the better off they'll be. It's difficult to teach children where to find value when there is so much opulence around us.
7: Teach them that the best treasure to put in their heart is found in accepting God's Son, Jesus, as their Savior. Then commit to read and obey what the Bible says. Each word is an added treasure. Keep reading and studying your Bible and pack that treasure chest full.
0: Learn more about the ministry of Jerry and Becky Drace, including evangelism with integrity, devotions, articles, and more at hopeforthehome.org. This has
3: been a moment of hope for your home. This is the sound of not just one, not just two, but three heartbeats. Heartbeats that were birthed through the Ministry of Preborn. The heartbeat of a preborn baby can be heard as early as six weeks on ultrasound. The sound of a heartbeat changes everything.
0: I came seeking termination, but once I got here and I took an ultrasound, I was overjoyed when I found out, that I was having three
3: boys. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free heartbeats for moms in crisis in America and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time, and this time there were three. To find out more, go to preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound two fifty and say baby. Your love can save a life.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. My name is Joseph Backholm I'm sitting in Fort County. Today we'll be back with you on Monday. Well, this week, President Biden gave his first State of the Union address. The speech was delivered at a time of tremendous peril not just for Americans, but for Ukrainians and its neighboring nations because of an unprovoked Russian invasion that has the potential of sparking a literal World War III. Let's not forget about all the other crises America is facing, the southern border, the rise in violent crime and inflation. But amid all of this, our commander in chief made sure to use his first state of the union to promote the cause of transgenderism, even for our youngest
0: Americans. The onslaught of state laws targeting transgender Americans and their families. It's simply wrong. I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God given potential. Well,
1: is what the president is doing actually helpful to transgender Americans, or is it not? Our own Dr. Jennifer Bowens, director of our Center for Family Studies, joins me now to discuss this critical question. Dr. Bowens, welcome back to Washington Watch.
5: Hey, Joseph. It's good to be back with you.
1: It's good to see you. Much of this White House response this week, and it has been significant, not just the White House, but the vice president's office. Uh, Health and Human Services has gotten in on this, on condemning the state of Texas, because their governor and attorney general have said that chemical and physical castration for minors who experience gender dysphoria could be investigated as child abuse. What's your take on all this?
5: Well, it's good to see states standing up for um, children and um, that really have the, the back of children's. Um, you know, the president says that he has their back and that that's uh, contrary to um, what we know from the science and, and to stand there and say that he has their back is, um, is dangerous because the fact of the matter is the science behind this issue just simply isn't there. Um, so he's encouraging and actually using his office to legitimize um, practices that are in the end going to hurt children and uh, cause them further problems down the road.
1: Dr. Browns, elaborate a bit on that. What are the risks from these hormones and also from the surgeries that minors and adults as well, but in this case, we're talking about minors, would undergo as a way to essentially treat a psychological problem? Yeah.
5: Well, um, there are a number of physiological issues that come with when you're on hormones or when you have surgeries done to your body to healthy organs that don't need to be removed. Um, but those things are a little bit more obvious when you look at someone. I mean, you can tell that their, their voice has changed, or you can tell that something's not quite right in their in their physique. Um, but there are also hidden um, things like blood clots and cardiovascular issues. Those things um, may not be as readily um, evident on the surface. But then we have to look at the psychological consequences of these um, issues. Um, this is less talked about in when people are discussing this issue and that is what what is the long-term consequence of actually rejecting your body rejecting your biological identity Um, we know that when people are depressed or they're having maybe some stress in their life that their body can respond we see cortisol levels elevated and that's gonna make someone more susceptible to disease Now, what happens when someone says, I don't want anything to do with my identity, um, who I've been designed by God to be? Um, There are no studies that look at that. But we do have some evidence when someone is dissociated that um, it's going to affect their body. So there are all kinds of consequences that the president did not address in the speech that he gave, other than just saying, you know, hey, rah, 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 I have your backs. Um, But... We know that there are so many other consequences um, than just giving. Uh, this will make you feel better, and um, yeah. and and making people feel comfortable with with the current dogma that's out there.
1: I think we would all say that we have their backs. We're just trying to help them, and we have different strategies as to as to what is actually helpful. Why do you think we hear so much encouragement for young people to? to undergo these ultimately permanent treatments and so much minimization of the potential risks?
5: Well, I think you have um, a lot of lobbying groups that are promoting these types of treatment. And then on the other hand, you don't have groups like, um, or departments like NIH saying, hey, you know, we have um, some grant offerings for you to study the harms of, of um, gender transitions um, procedures. You have um, quite the opposite. The money is going towards um, building more gender clinics. It's going towards funding studies to look at why this is a good thing and to actually suppress the evidence that shows that we have, um, in fact, the online presence of those who are detransitioning and saying that the root issues uh, the root mental health issues aren't actually being dealt with. So, um, you know, you have a whole system that's surrounding and embracing this ideology yeah. and it's only now that we're starting to see the the um, cracks in the dam and people who are, are, have been affected by these things over the long term to, to start coming out and speaking out and saying, please don't do this to the next generation of children.
1: As the saying goes, I tried to follow the science, but it led me straight to the money. Now, Dr. Bowens, what would you say to parents, family members who might be going through this, who are hearing all this pressure, your only options are suicide or transition?
5: Yeah, and and there's enormous pressure on parents who might be dealing with this or have a child who's dealing with this. Um, And my encouragement would be, First of all, don't listen to the line that says uh, that this is a life-saving practice because it's anything but that. In fact, um, some of the research that's coming out right now is and, and from the own, um, their own transgender advocacy groups show that, that those who are offered these treatments are experiencing suicidal ideation at the same level. So my, my encouragement would be to look for root causes Where did this come from? Um, Don't just buy the transgender line and and go for that line of treatment because it's not going to help the situation. It's only going to make things worse in the long term.
1: Dr. Jennifer Bowens, and that is one of our biggest concerns is if we treat the wrong symptom, we never get the chance to treat the real problem, the real root of the cause. And we appreciate you illuminating us all and your vigilance on this effort. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Coming up, we're going to get an update from the road, from the Freedom Convoy, on its way to the Capitol. We'll talk about it when we come back.
3: Here's Dan Celia with today's Stewardship Moment. I'm always amazed that so many people think that if they tithe one-tenth, then
1: they must have ownership of the other nine-tenths after they've given to the Lord. Remember the parable of the ten servants in Luke 19? When the master returned
3: from the foreign land, he didn't simply demand a small portion of the increase, but he held his servants accountable for both principle and interest. It's important that as a starting point
1: in our stewardship, we understand that every dollar belongs to God. This is a point that Christians everywhere need to understand.
0: You've just heard a stewardship moment with Dan Celia of Financial Issues Ministry, helping you plan, give, and invest wisely. For more information, log on to financialissues.org. That's financialissues.org.
4: We've always had an interest in God given us a gift of being able to help a lot of people with their finances and budgets and stuff.
3: AFA supporter Ian Alice Larson met Dan Celia at a Faith Family and Finance Town Hall meeting.
7: And he answered some questions and we were thinking about the charitable gift annuities and we'd never heard of that before but we thought well we'd always wanted to leave some of our money with, for God, but we didn't know where or how and it, we felt like this was put into our laps as answer to our prayers as to what we could do after we're gone.
3: Bernie and Alice learned a charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation would provide them with a monthly income for life as well as supporting the American Family Association into the future. You can learn more about charitable gift annuities and other financial products at afafoundation.net or call 800-326-4543 extension 345.
7: And uh, you just can't outgive God
3: taking a stand defending
8: freedom convoy
1: welcome back to washington watch my name is joseph backholm so glad that you are with us this afternoon as we take you into your weekend since last wednesday february 23rd the trucker-led people's convoy has been making its way peacefully to the D.C. metropolitan area, growing to nearly 5,000 vehicles, as was reported yesterday on the program. Each day since then, we have been covering the procession in our special Defending Freedom Convoy segment and highlighting the movement against government mandates and overreach. I encourage you to check out some of those other interviews at TonyPerkins.com. Well, for today's segment, We have with us Claire Dooley, a reporter at CHD-TV, who's been with the convoy from day one and reporting on its movements. Claire, welcome to Washington Watch.
8: Hi, welcome. Thank you for having
1: me. Well, we are glad to have you. The convoy has been moving for more than a week now. What's the mood as you approach the Capitol?
8: Yeah, so right now we're landing in Hagerstown, Maryland and the mood among everyone is is full of of love and uh, a community so all of us have been traveling on the road now for 11 days and along the way we've picked up people different people's cars have broken down and they're riding with truckers Um, we see this beautiful diversity within this group of of giving supplies water food donating money Uh, The the love is is overwhelming, and and everyone here is excited and in anticipation for for what comes next.
1: Claire, how would you describe what unites this particular community as people are driving across the country together? What is the bond that people have together?
8: So, a lot of people are calling this a trucker's movement, and, and it definitely is a trucker. The trucker started this. But this is the People's Convoy. It's it's literally called the People's Convoy, and so within this convoy, there are vans, minivans, trucks, uh, cars, RVs, like ours, campers pulling or, or trucks pulling campers and truckers. There's families. Uh, there's people of all different colors, all different sexual orientations. You have it's such a diverse group, and, and honestly, from the left and the right side politically. And so what what we're seeing is people are fed up the government not listening to them they feel like they're not heard and so they're standing up for freedom freedom is is the one thing that they all have in common and and they respect each other it doesn't matter what the other person believes as long as they believe and the other person's right to believe that it's about freedom of choice freedom of choice of what what you can put in your body sovereignty of yourself of the individual and, and keeping the government out of our personal lives
1: We're talking to Claire Dooley, a reporter at CHD-TV. And Claire, the convoy started on February 23rd. A lot has changed since February 23rd. A lot has changed with COVID. Many states, many jurisdictions have actually dropped their restrictions since the convoy uh, began. In addition, a war has started, which has grabbed the nation's attentions. Has have the concerns of the convoy changed in, in, in any way since the convoy began?
8: A lot of rumors are going around that, that this convoy believes that they single-handedly are lifting these restrictions, and, and that's not that's not true. This, this convoy does not exist just, just for specifically mask mandates and just for specifically the vaccine issue. This convoy, there are three things that this convoy wants. The first one is accountability, and they've wanted this since the beginning. They want to hold people accountable, institutions, the government, private corporations, who have violated and discriminated the American people, who have destroyed our economy and our health and wellness. And so they, they want these people to be held accountable. And the second thing is, they want to uphold our constitutional rights. These people are focusing on this one point of, of constitutional liberties and constitutional rights. We need to stick to the Constitution. And, and that's what they want. They want their voices to be heard. And, and the last part of that is ending emergency orders. It's not just about, like I said, um, vaccine mandates and, and mask mandates. This is much more than this. This has been going on in the United States for, for a long time. And a lot of people here will say that it's not just about this one issue. We have seen our rights being encroached on for, for the past 20, 30 years. And, and it's time to put a stop to this. And so the American people are finally standing up and, and making sure that their voices are heard loud and clear.
1: Claire, yesterday we heard from the convoy there were about 5,000 vehicles involved. Is that still the number? Has it grown in any way?
8: Yeah, it's growing every single day. So yesterday I had the, the privilege of going up and the Cessna 172 with two pilots from the Freedom Flyers, which is an organization that's standing up against mandates, vaccine mandates in the, the large commercial airline industry. And uh, we, we flew over the entire convoy and it was about 70 miles long. So anywhere from 70 to 80 miles long. And so every single day it grows. I remember when we started in Atalanto, the numbers weren't as, as big, but we started, I think, with around 300 trucks. And now we're seeing just more and more people pouring in every day. And not to mention, I remember when we, when we first started in Atalanto, we saw a few overpasses with a few people, and it was so exciting to see people supporting the people's convoy from the side of the road with their flags, music and, and their patriotism and now we're seeing hundreds of people on the bridges the entire way we were talking yesterday and, and I, I believe we didn't see a, a single bridge that was empty there was always one or two people anywhere from one to two people yeah. on a bridge to 300 400
1: so Claire Dooley. We're- unfortunately we are out of time now but we really appreciate your time the pictures from the era are impressive and we appreciate your on-the-ground report as well. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Coming up after the break, some interesting election results in Texas that may signal significant things for...
6: There is only one truth, God's truth. As Christians, we are called to align our beliefs and actions to what the Bible says is true. At Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview, our team of experts have created tools and resources to help aid in the fight for truth. These resources dive into issues including voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. The center serves to help Christians understand why scripture must be authoritative and to equip believers to advance and defend their faith in the workplace, in their schools, and in the public square. The Center for Biblical Worldview experts provide research and resources to help prepare believers to give a biblical answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access these free resources at frc.org worldview. See the Worldview Fellows' latest blogs, op-eds, interviews, and publications by signing up for the newsletter at frc.org subscriptions.
4: Hi, I'm Mark Harrington, founder of the pro-life group Created Equal and host of Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show. Created equals is all about saving the lives of unborn children. Each week, I cover the latest pro-life news and feature interviews with unsung heroes from across the nation who are making a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice. Join me every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 for The Mark Harrington Show here on American Family Radio and discover how you, too, can help protect the lives of the most innocent among us.
0: What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture.
4: We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us.
3: It gives an impetus to share your faith when you think you've got answers to objections that you expect people to bring up. The American Family Studios video series, Intro to God's Revelation, featuring Dr. Richard Howe, shows how God has revealed Himself in nature and His Word, and how we can rightly understand what God has said. These truths are just a part and parcel of the Christian life. It isn't just for the professional clergy. Learn the fundamentals of how to approach and understand the Bible in an age of skepticism. This six-week video curriculum is perfect for your Sunday school class or study group, and it can prepare you to give a defense of God's Word and how He speaks to us in nature. Knowing whether and how God communicates is a safeguard against false claims about God communicating. Intro to God's Revelation DVDs and workbook are available for purchase at afastore.net or call 877-927-4917.
1: Washington Watch. My name is Joseph. Back home, sitting in today. The governor's race in Virginia showed us last November that involved parents can determine the outcome of elections as concerns about their children's education drives them to the polls more than other issues. We saw this again in Texas this week when the state board of education races that had previously been overlooked as down ballot formalities took on a renewed importance. In campaign after campaign, conservative parents in their first run for office, unseated, unreliable GOP incumbents who had bent under pressure from leftist activists. The result is that Republicans now look to increase their nine to six seat lead on the board when the general elections are held this November. Will this movement of unsatisfied parents stepping up to make a change continue to build momentum in other states? Joining me now to discuss this and more is Meg Kilganion, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at Family Research Council. Meg, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Joseph. It's great to see you. It's great to see you. I described it a little bit, but how would you describe what we saw in Texas this week?
7: It is a dream come true for a lot of us who've been working in education for a number of years. Um, The educational system does need parental supervision and parents getting elected to these positions is really important because they will keep their children's uh, benefit in mind and everyone else's children too. Um, We see so often in in the educational system It is so dominated by one kind of thinking which is a progressive kind of thinking and so when we elect uh, People to the school board who maybe do have uh, an R by their name so often they are co-opted by the system that they find themselves in and they become unable to hold the line and to say no time after time after time when education officials try to push the latest and, and uh, most extreme policies uh, on the school system. And that really is so often um, the role of conservatives on these boards is to say, no, we're not going to do that. And, it, and that is difficult. So to have some new blood uh, running for those offices and some new energy being brought to the system is really, really wonderful development. And it will be to the benefit of everyone to have these people elected.
1: A lot of us agree with you on that issue. Now, the conventional political wisdom for a long time has been avoid the social issues, stick to the the economic issues the business issues that's how you win campaigns we saw what happened in virginia we see what's happening in texas school boards around the country do you think that it's true that social issues that cultural issues are really now the political winners for conservatives
7: i do i mean of course we've probably thought that for a long time but now it's becoming clearer and clearer there's no denying that there's a culture war that's being waged against traditional values And even if you don't wanna fight that fight, it is coming for you. And so we really must, we must engage in this space. Um, There are just things that are true about the the dignity of the human person and who is male and who is female that are undeniable truths that really apply to, that, that are embraced by people on the left and the right side of the aisle. And so this is why you're seeing more energy around these issues. And it's, it's, it's a, a welcome development. Um, we cannot allow these things to happen in, in the, um, you know, in the side meetings of the school board or off the voting agenda uh, that get thrown onto the cassette portion of the agenda of school board meetings and not openly debated. You know, we can't allow these things to happen uh, behind closed doors um because people are often surprised at how how extreme the situation is uh but these things have been discussed behind closed doors instead of in the in the open air of of public debate so having our side represented there and having people who share our worldview there will make it possible to have a more thorough examination of these issues and truly come to some kind of consensus on these matters
1: and that is tremendously important one of the other trends that I think we're seeing is these races that were local, they were school board, they were obscure. In some cases, you're getting dozens of people to vote rather than millions of people to vote. Do you think it's a good thing that so much more attention is now being given to these really hyper-local races?
7: I do. They are the ones that are, affect your life most directly. And so the the, the we all know that turnout for... National elections, like president, is higher than turnout in statewide elections, like for your United States senator or for a governor. And it gets even lower when it comes to offices like school board or county commissioner. But, you know, it's the school board that's going to be in charge of the education for your community. And I I always like to say, you know, global citizens aren't bringing me a casserole when we have a crisis in our family. My neighbors are doing that. And so we want to educate children that are going to be a part of a community and understand that family and local involvement really is the best side of life. So we need to preserve those spaces and we need to make sure that our views are reflected in those spaces and that we don't allow ourselves to be absent from those discussions.
1: Now, Meg, you don't just talk about these issues. You've been busy doing something about them as well. You've been helping lead our FRC school board boot camps around the country. Tell us what you're trying to accomplish. Tell us how those are going.
7: They're going so beautifully. Uh, we have so many wonderful people who are really ready to step into the fray and run for office. So we have our school board boot camps, and you can find out about those at frcaction.org slash schools. And you can see our online boot camp training there for candidates. And then last weekend, we had the first ever um, alternative school board training for conservatives in Virginia. And we we're hoping to take this across all the states. But it was really wonderful to provide conservative school board members with a place where they could gather and talk about ideas and get information that was not um, you know, of a partisan nature. They they were able to connect with each other and to ask questions of experts. And this is the kind of support we have to provide for people like those candidates in Texas who've just run this won their primary and now they're gonna be on the ballot. If they're elected to the state school board, they're going to need help and resources so that they can maintain their values and they can defend our principles. And so we're trying to set up, this, uh, with the Noah Webster Education Foundation, a conservative alternative to the School Board Association. So we're doing lots of great things. They're all on our FRC Action website at frcaction.org schools. And we would love for you to be involved.
1: Well, we do want people to be involved. And Meg Kilgan and I will just say that when you think about alternative school board trainings, you don't, obviously think about conservatives, but it is a brand new world that we're living in where the conservatives are the alternative and increasingly becoming an appealing alternative, clearly, to the voters. Thank you so much for your time today.
7: Thank you, Joseph. Well, it is that time of the week again.
1: It is the last segment of the week here on Washington Watch, which is my favorite segment, perhaps. They're all great, but this is a really good one, the Worldview Friday segment, where we focus on the issues of the day from a worldview perspective. Today's conversation is inspired by two articles that my colleague, David Cawson, wrote on the topic of abortion and how Congress is dealing with it, and also talking about it you can find those articles at frcblog.com but we're also going to talk to the author right now frc's director of the center for biblical worldview david Clausen. david welcome back hey great to be
9: with you happy friday
1: happy friday to you now monday was a was a strange day in capitol hill because and this is what you wrote about senate democrats tried to pass legislation they did not succeed but they tried to pass legislation that would have enshrined Roe v.ersus Wade into federal law. What was your reaction to that?
9: Yeah, it's really stunning, especially, Joseph, when you consider the context. What was happening Monday night? You know, the eyes of the world are focused on what's happening in Ukraine and this Russian invasion. Uh, So much to think about related to all of that. And yet what was happening uh, just down the road from where I am right now was that Chuck Schumer forced a vote on the Women's Protection uh, Health Act which we really should call the on-demand on abortion bill up until birth. Uh, that bill failed uh, 46 to 48. Uh, this is a bill that the House Democrats had previously passed a couple of months ago, uh, but thankfully it failed 46 to 48. Uh, but this bill would have uh, overturned uh, almost every state law on the books uh, that would have protected life. And so praise God that this did not go forward but it really underscores uh, where the worldview is of Senate Democrats.
1: Now, it's true. It does underscore their worldview. Uh, We can be grateful that it did not pass. Do you think it was brought up by the Democrats because they believe the Supreme Court is about to overturn Roe versus Wade?
9: I do. I think Chuck Schumer is hearing uh, from the far left, uh, Planned Parenthood, NARAL, I think a vote uh, that the vote that they took was to placate those uh, abortion lobbyists uh, to show, hey, look, we're trying to do something for you. It, it's curious to me though, the politics, yeah, what Chuck Schumer did is he forced. Uh, 94 U.S. senators to go on record on the most extreme abortion bill that's ever been considered by the U.S. Congress. Some of these uh, senators are in real tough reelection races, and yet now they are on record either for or against this bill. And I think this is something voters will absolutely remember uh, come November.
1: From a worldview perspective, what should we think about prioritizing the issue of abortion in the midst of an international and national crisis of, of many kinds, frankly.
9: Yeah, it, I think it shows, Joseph, re- regrettably, that a, a abortion has almost become a sacrament of the far left. Uh, abortion really animates uh, their worldview. And again, let's be clear, you know, abortion, this is the the, the murdering of innocent children in the womb. And yet, uh, if you follow the money, you know, Planned Parenthood, NARAL, other groups, donating big time to uh, Democrats uh, in the Senate and in the House. And it just shows uh, that this view, that this dehumanizing of the human person, uh, this lack of understanding that all, all people born and unborn are made in God's image. You know, the Democrat Party used to be the uh, party of safe, legal, rare. That's unfortunately a bygone error. And so again, from a worldview perspective, we need to realize that increasingly uh, there are a lot of politicians in this city that don't value human life. And we need to work uh, to uh, re-instill in people around this country, but especially uh, people in our congregations, uh, that God views life as a gift, uh, that we're made in his image, and that there's value in every single human being.
1: Now, David, you took particular exception to the vote and the comments after the vote of one specific U.S. senator. Tell us about that.
9: Yeah, so the Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock from Georgia, he actually was one of six senators who did not attend. I, I called his office and asked them why he wasn't there. Uh, they, they said there was no official reason. Uh, but regardless of him voting or not for the bill, he is a co-sponsor of the bill. And right before the bill put out a tweet uh, that said as a pro-choice pastor, uh, and then he went on to uh, explain his support for uh, the bill. Uh, he, you know, he said that se- essentially as a pro-choice pastor, he is pro-abortion. And I, I yes, you can read my piece at frc.org/worldview, uh, but I definitely take exception to the fact that as. As a pastor, you know, I read through the New Testament, I see the qualifications that Paul gives. You can read it in 1 Timothy, you can read it in Titus. One of the qualifications, Joseph, to be an elder, to be a pastor, is that you are able to teach sound doctrine and contradict those uh, who uh, are teaching out of line with God's truth. And the, the Bible is clear on the issue of abortion. It's clear on the dignity of the personhood of the unborn. And for someone to, and he goes by Senator Reverend, that's the title he likes to go yeah. by. Uh, he's, I believe, uh, really disqualifying himself in a New Testament sense for being a pastor. And I find that really, really problematic and, yeah. and dangerous.
1: David, I think you may have answered the question, but I promised the beginning of the show that I was going to ask you the question, why do you think that the term, the phrase past, a pro-choice pastor is, as you described it, an oxymoron?
9: It's an oxymoron because the pastor is, the tremendous responsibility of the pastors to be an under-shepherd of the church, to watch over the souls of the people that are entrusted to him by God, uh, to lead them in the right way, and by... Going off about being a pro-choice pastor and leading people to think that God sanctions or is okay with abortion, that's misleading God's people. And that again is, in my view, disqualifying. Are you saying that you can't be a Christian and be pro-choice? I think there's some people, Joseph, who might not understand the issue. They might not study the issue. But I think if anyone dives into the scriptures, if they dive into what the Bible teaches, I think the Bible is very, very clear that this isn't ultimately a political issue or, you know, some other kind of issue. This is a moral issue. This is a biblical issue. And I think scripture, if you're reading it the way you're supposed to be reading it, it leads you to one conclusion, which is that all people born and unborn are made in God's image and have value.
1: I know there are a lot of people who would hear you say, if you read Scripture the way you're supposed to be reading it, with very judgmental eyes, and they would and they would hear that and be highly offended. And I think from a worldview perspective, we can put a bow on this. The the goal of this, because we understand that that people of goodwill and good intentions disagree on theological matters in some cases, but from a worldview perspective, the thing that Christians do not have the choice on things that are not negotiable is that it is our job to surrender our will to scripture it is not our job to surrender scripture to our will and when we do that uh, when we sincerely do that we're seeking god's will above all else i think we'll find that we reach agreement in ways where maybe we weren't before but david we're out of time thanks so much for being with us as always
9: thank you joseph
1: And thank you, friends, for joining us. Thank you for being with us all week. Please continue to pray for our country, for Raphael Warnock, for Ukraine, for the church. And remember, above all, fear God, nothing else. We'll see you next time.
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported.